Hello everyone, it's Tom Uren here with the Gruck for another Between Two Nerds weekly podcast. G'day Gruck, how are you? G'day Tom, I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Today's episode is brought to you by Gigamon, and this week on the channel I have a discussion with Gigamon's Ryan Mahoney about precryption, which is Gigamon's solution to getting internal visibility despite encryption even between VMs and different containers. I'd also like to thank Lawfare, and we launched a collaboration with Lawfare last week. So the last few months, there's been a couple of items I've written about that relate to international humanitarian law and hacktivists and state responsibility and norms. Mm -hmm. So... There have been two Red Cross-related pieces I've written about. Mm -hmm. And just last week, Microsoft announced a future security initiative. And Brad Smith, the vice president, actually wrote, promoting norms of behavior would be, and I think the word he used was a critical third pillar of Microsoft's strategy. So I think... (laughs) (laughs) and, And... Um, Adam and I spoke about this today, and I think that's a terrible idea. But it actually seems that we have different perspectives on this kind of talk about norms. So probably we're going to agree on the Microsoft part. So maybe the way to go is just let's kick that to the curb quickly. Right. Um, And then we can move on to perhaps some areas where we've, I don't know that we entirely disagree. We diverge a little bit more. Yeah, yeah that's right. So One of those rare instances where the other person is wrong in our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so Microsoft's future strategy, I spoke about it with Adam, so we won't recap the whole thing. Very, very, very briefly, there's an engineering part, which is fine. There's a part about AI, which I was like, yeah, I don't think it should be a strategy because... Using AI in cybersecurity feels to me like an experiment. <laughs> so yeah. let's not make it a pillar. <laughs> let's make it something we're going to try be, out and it see. It should not be load-bearing infrastructure at this point, I think. That's right. It may be. Yeah. It may be. Who knows? It's worth trying. Yeah. But And then the third pillar was we're going to commit to Microsoft promoting international norms of behavior. Let me guess. The, the norms are you're not allowed to hack Microsoft you're not allowed to use vulnerabilities of Microsoft. I mean, you're not allowed to use vulnerabilities in desktop operating systems or server operating systems that are very popular with the, you know, the now, enterprise it, market. There was some of that. It wasn't entirely as bad as that, but part of it was cloud infrastructure should be considered critical infrastructure, <laughs> and therefore I mean, it, it should is, have. But it, let me let me hear the thing out because I I think they're. They're right, but they're wrong. Like, I think there's so much internet stuff that is critical infrastructure, but that just means it needs to be protected, not that it's going to be out of bounds. Because Yeah, yeah. So the exact wording is, should recognize cloud services as critical infrastructure with protection against attack under international law. So my view would be that there's been no attack of cloud infrastructure that is definitively breaking international law. Mm -hmm. I would say everything I've seen so far is kind of fine. 
yeah, from so a state I, I point think, of view. I think they, they're bringing this up specifically because they are hosting the entire Ukrainian government. Mm-hmm. All of the Ukrainian government is on Azure, and they don't want Russia to hack them. I think the way that you don't have Russia hack you is you defend yourself really well. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I think if Russia hacked them and in a targeted way destroyed all of the Ukrainian government infrastructure on Azure, that would be yeah. fired. People would absolutely complain. It would but be from- mean and bad, but it's mean and bad without breaking the law. Well, I now- I think you probably could argue that it breaks international humanitarian law if it's harming civilians. But at the same time, that's no worse than what Russia is doing on the battlefield. Absolutely. Like in real life. In fact, if if you ask the Ukrainians to choose, you know, would they like another Bucha or would they like their Azure stuff to get wiped? I think I know which way they would go, right? They, they, could, they could live with a whole lot of cloud destruction if there was less, you know. Right, yes. Yeah. Which, to a degree, I think that's an opinion that has been left out of these discussions. There's a lot of external, you know, as an as a international human rights lawyer, here's my opinion on how it should apply to cyber warfare. And I think one of the voices that we haven't heard is not necessarily from the victims, but sort of the, the bystander victims, right? Like the civilian population. They don't like that they get hacked by Russia, but it doesn't bother them nearly as much as the fact that they get killed by Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems very grim, but that's Mm -hmm. the reality, right? Um, And and so there's a certain sense that I think that hacking is just less bad than other stuff, or I get that sense. But there's a lot of people who, uh, and this includes the Red Cross, who worry about, I guess, the escalation of cyber attacks. I think that's perhaps something we'll talk about a bit more well, later. But so I let's, think we have to come back to that topic at some point, but not now. Yeah, so let's keep going with the Microsoft stuff. So, uh, you know, states should not engage in or allow people in their territory to engage in cyber operations that could compromise the security, integrity or the confidentiality CIA of triad. cloud yeah. services. <laughs> I mean, and, and you should not allow people in your territory to do fuzzing on you know, Microsoft products and, you, you know, it's it's an international law norm that you're not supposed to hack exchange, right? Like, <laughs> and, and, I mean, yeah, these, yeah, are, so these are ridiculous. It's, it, to me, it literally does not make sense to try and declare cloud infrastructure off-pissed. Like, it's not out of bounds to go after, let's say, the Pentagon mm-hmm. shifts a bunch of its uh, processing to the cloud. Yeah. The, the next one is states should not indiscriminately compromise the security of cloud services for the purposes of espionage. And again, I don't think any state has indiscriminately done that. Let me add to that. States would not indiscriminately do that because it adds work without adding value. Right, yeah. Right. The purpose of espionage is to get information that you can use to answer questions that you have. It's not to mess with people. That's not why they're doing it. Right, they're they're doing it because they have a specific goal in mind. So, indiscriminate espionage is like that's sort of a thing that NSA and FBI do because they just haul so much data together that they can, you know, trawl through it. But if you're hacking stuff, like that is a huge waste of resources. You don't want that. That's a problem. Right. That's not an that's right. not an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd probably argue with the. 
NSA and FBI indiscriminate, but I think it depends what you mean okay, by indiscriminate. I don't mean indiscriminate in that sense, but that they, they just collect so much. Yeah, they have bulk collection operations. Yeah. Right. And the discrimination happens at a different point. Yes. Exactly. But anyway, so again, this is very weird because I kind of just don't think that what they're arguing against happens. Like, right. like and I, what is this statement for? I have no idea. I think everyone could probably sign up to that statement and go, we don't do indiscriminate compromise. Right. Like and I everyone. think they could hand on heart do it. And I don't think yeah, it would right. change anything that's happened or will happen. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It will make no difference. Sign up. Fine. Whatever. Um, states should construct cyber operations to avoid imposing costs on those who are not the target of operations. Now, I actually think that there's probably a couple of cases where you would say that states have done operations that have not patch, well, had yeah. a lot of collateral damage. For example, uh, WannaCry. Yeah, WannaCry. And not Petcha, I think uh, I would bring up first because WannaCry was a bit more of an accident, but not Petcha was deliberate, except that the, the scope was accidental. That is very much in, in scope with what they mean. And I, I agree. I think that's true. That should be a norm. Yeah, and that, that seems worth, is it doubling down on? Yeah, we should take all of the effort that goes into the uh, not indiscriminate cloud hacking and add it to the uh, not hacking more than you need to. Now, that, <laughs> so now in the absence of another operation like that, I would say that that norm is actually holding well. So not Petya yes. happened. There was a lot of pushback. Once, let's point out. Right? Yeah, that's then... right. That's exactly my point. Like, yep. it's not happened again. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's worth trying to reinforce that to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yes. But you look at what happened at the beginning of the war, and I would say that what the Russians did was relatively targeted on Ukraine. Absolutely. And I, I think even the spillover on Viasat, it was spillover into civilian targets, but it wasn't indiscriminate. Wasn't worldwide. Right. <laughs> um, it so it's... Cause, yeah, major outages. For, it didn't knock off condom factories in like third world countries, which right, not yeah. Petra did. Like it just, like it was everywhere. Like it just weird yeah. stuff, right? So Yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen enough about the Viasat compromise whether Russia could have done more work to be, I mean, I'm sure they could have they, done more work to be more they targeted. Could have. There's actually a DEFCON talk on it, which I mean to watch. Um, the Viasat guys have a, a talk on that. So uh, I would think that if it ended up in an objective court, you could have an argument about how targeted that would have been or should have been, but yeah. it was a lot better than not picture. So anyway, yes. so mostly, I guess, uh, I think that some of what Brad Smith put in here is stupid. Some uh -huh. of it is, yes, okay, justifiable. I think you should work on that. None of it do I think <laughs> makes sense as a pillar. Like if you're going to, yeah. if your security relies on changing people's minds about how to conduct cyber operations, you're going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> like um, one of the one of the quotes I have is relying on adversary incompetence is no way to go through life. <laughs> if your security is they're not good enough to do it, or they pinky swore that they wouldn't, or it's typical for people not to do this sort of attack, so I wouldn't worry about it. Like, that seems to me like a very, very fragile and brittle level of security. If we look at OPSEC failures, for example, 
you'll see that even things that are supposed to be security boundaries, when people rely on them rather than having actual security themselves, they get burned. Like relying on third-party behavior for your own security is risky behavior. Right. <laughs> There's another one that I uh, think is funny. All states should commit publicly that they will not plant software vulnerabilities in the networks of critical infrastructure providers such as energy, water, food, medical care, and other providers. But Microsoft is the one putting the vulnerabilities in those networks. <laughs> uh that's um, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, so I think what they mean was not plant software uh, or not plant malware in the networks. <laughs> uh, but you can't you can't do that because you one of the problems with cyber as a military capability is that it has a long lead time because you have to prepare for it. And that means things like pre-positioning implants so that when it comes time to actually execute an operation, the implants that you're going to use are in place and can actually do that operation. You can't wait until an hour before the attack to start hacking a water treatment plant if that's what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think this is an interesting area in the in an ideal world, yes, people could commit to that. But the problem is <laughs> we, we don't exist in an ideal world. We exist in a world where people will literally go to war if they think that there's an advantage that they can achieve. <laughs> and I think the possibility of war is so bad that the reality of hacking critical infrastructure to prepare for it is... I think it's inevitable. Well, I mean, it's I think it's concerning because it makes you worry about the actual war and there's the possibility of escalation and misinterpreting what's going on yeah see you know i think i think a better norm would be that implants have to have a certain level of qa like people commit to having a level of qa so that for example your implant cannot be hijacked by a third party or uh, <laughs> yeah. your implant won't crash and take down the system those are reasonable norms some of the stuff right. that Dave Vitell has mentioned as well about having a signature so that when a nation state with, you know, top secret clearance, whatever, gains access to an implant from critical national infrastructure, they could look at it and they could check, oh, this was signed by, you know, PLA's, you know, official hacking division. We know that it's part of a military operation, not some like rando who is just going to fuck around and, and crash things. It's not part of like a terrorist operation. It's, <laughs> you know, it's a legitimate state operation and we can respond appropriately to that, knowing that they've signed it, they're taking responsibility <laughs> and it's not going to be, it's not going to be treated as escalatory. As right, right, right. So we can rest easy that it won't do anything bad until we go to war. <laughs> right. Which I think is actually an important thing, right? I you think could, it... it, it seems to me a bit like having uh what are those those red phones what are they um oh the the, the red line but uh, yeah the direct line for de-escalation yeah between... yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's analogous to that and i guess the <laughs> problem is right now probably the state you worry most about is the prc but they don't seem to be very interested in those red lines i think that's an yeah. interesting idea but anyway so i i guess we both agree that there's, there's a some very merit. mixed bag. There's some merit in some of the, the things in there, and there's certainly things that are worth more discussion. But as a pillar for a security strategy, 
totally inappropriate. Yeah, it, I, I don't think any of these are actually load-bearing in terms of <laughs> so world security. The, <laughs> so the except I think I really like Microsoft's idea about not putting vulnerabilities into things. I think they should follow <laughs> that up. You know, I, I think they should be really, really strict on that one. Maybe we should have uh, vendor liability. That should be a norm. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think they're liking this podcast less and less. It goes <laughs> there goes a huge chunk of our subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been yep. a couple of documents that are maybe Red Cross adjacent. So one was actually produced by the Red Cross mm-hmm. and they got an expert body to come up with a bunch of recommendations for belligerence, mm-hmm. uh, people actually involved in conflict, uh, tech companies, states around cyber operations in wartime. Mm-hmm. Now, I wrote about it. My take was you'll have absolutely no luck convincing belligerence because so much of what is going on nowadays, at least, is real-world conflict that, in my view, is not lawful, according to humanitarian mm-hmm. law. And so, you know, that's a lost cause. I thought some of the advice for tech companies was useful because it, it just makes you think about what are we going to do? It's kind mm-hmm. of like a bit like contingency planning, but through Tabletop the lens. exercise sort of thing, yeah. right? You know, here yeah. are things to think about and to sort of pre-plan for rather than, you know, here are things to rely on as being true. Yeah, and I like a human rights perspective because, I mean, people are what we ultimately should be caring about rather than tech company right. profits. Or... Yeah, between two nerds is going to take the uh, the really extremist position here. And I know, I know we're going to lose people and, you know, woke cancel <laughs> culture, but... Uh, we're pro-human rights. That's, we're pretty firm on uh, that and I think I think that's a useful lens. Now, so yeah. do you have any problems so far? No, no. It's been pretty gentle so far. Right, yeah. So I guess uh, it might be worth recapping international humanitarian law or the rules of war. And the way I think about it at a very high level is it's just trying to protect civilians as much as you can. So... There's sort of principles like you should have a military objective, what you do should be proportionate to what you're going to achieve, and you should try and avoid collateral damage. Um, Mm -hmm. And that all seems to me to make sense. Yeah. Now, what you once said to me is that you don't think that cyber operations are acts of war anyway. Yeah. So this is a point that uh, Lucas, whose last name I can't pronounce Olejnik or something like that yeah Lucas Olejnik um I have butchered that name horribly but uh, he's the cyber guy in the uh, humanitarian space you know what I mean yeah yeah I do know who you mean right okay so one of the things that he has said and I uh I'll just plug him it's in his uh his book that's just come out in English translation and I don't remember the name, but <laughs> I don't remember his name. I don't remember the book's name. However, I strongly endorse it. There you go. <laughs> but he has a thing where he says, like, cyber attacks are not attacks. And I right. think that is actually a very, very useful thing to remember is that when we're using this analogy of, like, you know, a cyber attack, and it's a very good analogy, it really captures sort of the, the concept of aggression of an opponent versus a victim, that there's a target. Kind of damage. Yep. Yeah, like that. All of this stuff. But at the same time, it is not actually an attack, right? Like you're not shooting someone. You're not blowing something up. You're not actually literally attacking something. 
you know, like a DDoS, when people say like Estonia was attacked with a huge DDoS, they were, but they weren't actually attacked, attacked. Right. Yeah. They were hit with a large DDoS, which they could say is a cyber attack, but they were not attacked in a, a more real sense, I think. Right. Yeah. So uh, DDoS compared to cluster munitions, they're totally different <laughs> things with causing Absolutely. a totally different scale of damage, right? Right. Even, even if you look at taking down a power grid with software versus taking down a power grid with a missile. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those is far more temporary than the other. And right, it's, yep. let's say it's reversible in a way. Yep. In Australia, just yesterday, we've got two and a half major telcos. One of them just stopped working. So far, <laughs> it appears it was just a technical fault, right? The thing is, if it's a technical fault, you could theoretically, that could have been- Reproduced it. With, a, with some sort of cyber operation, right? But like, like, so that network seems like it entirely stopped working for a, mm. for a day. <laughs> and then, and right. then it's, it's recoverable and in a day. Whereas if yes. that had been blown up to cause the same <laughs> effect, yeah. there's no it, it way they're recovering. It would be up and running in, in 12 hours. Day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, my kind of view overall is that a lot of these efforts are to a degree pointless. In the <laughs> the environment is such that bad actors make hay because there's opportunities. Like it 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 is actually rational mm-hmm. for them to do what they do, give or take. Right. And so, you know, when the Red Cross has these efforts to try and convince people to do otherwise, I say, <laughs> good on them. Like you know, yeah. you're the Red Cross. That's what you're there for. It's someone should put up a, a standard. W- yeah. Whether people stick to it or not, it should be there. Someone has to champion. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And and some of the times it will make a difference. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. Now, I guess there's a real discussion about whether those efforts should be focused more on conventional warfare. Mm-hmm. Cyber operations are such an edge case that you're better off focusing on real-world impacts. I think... yeah. You could argue that. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. But here's the thing, right? I, d- I don't know how much effort is being put into the cyber thing compared to other things. Because yeah. we're not seeing the proportion of that. We're just seeing our little niche of the world. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's probably a lot more than two lawyers writing about <laughs> <laughs> the use of cluster munitions and what should be done about, you know, mines. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's probably fair enough too. Like, uh, I, I wouldn't spend a whole heap of time, but some effort seems fair enough. Yeah. Now, I think the thing where we're going to have a lot more uh, to say is about their opinions on hacktivists, the sort of third-party involvement right. during wartime. And that is something uh, we've discussed a bit before, but I think looking looking at that within the context of hacktivists taking active part and vendors being actively or passively involved, whether they're Microsoft and Azure cloud infrastructure hosting an entire government, or Viasat that was incidentally used for a communication backbone, or Starlink, which has actually tampered with coverage to shape the battlefield. Now, I think that these things are worth discussing. 
next time on Between Two Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks a lot, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>